Welcome back to the Two Guides One Plant Podcast, your weekly podcast where we deep dive into all kinds of plants and vegetables and fruits, and we talk about the history, nutrition, and medicinal uses. We talk cooking and we talk growing. And as always, my name is Simon Hall, and my lovely, vivacious counterpart is Timothy Ackerman. I look forward to. Uh these intros every week mm, gets, gets me through gets me through mm. to the next week i was gonna say voluptuous but uh it well i, I think it kind of fits at the moment with that hair that you've got I, going on. I thought you were gonna go down the hair path yeah <laughs> it was gonna be hairy or maybe voluminous <laughs> oh i was watching um a really cool show today which we're really addicted to at the moment called um love on the spectrum do you know okay. of this? Oh, I haven't, no, no. It's like, uh, it's a dating show with people who are on the autism spectrum. Yep. It's amazing. It's, it? it's, it's one of the best shows that you'll watch. It's really heartwarming. It's, it, they're just, they're such funny people. Just, it, it, it's so much laughter and just, it's really beautiful to see them dating and like finding people who have, you know, other things that they, they're dealing with. And anyway, is it one of the, yeah. Is it on a streaming service or? Yes. I think it's yeah. on Netflix. Okay. Yep. Um, one of up. the guys was like on his date and he was like, um, well, she has really voluptuous hair and I like that. <laughs> and I was like, that's awesome. I love it. I'm going to look yeah. it up. It's really good. Anyway. Um, well, yeah, another week has gone by, mate. We're, we're back again. Yes, back again, still in stage four lockdown. So life Correct. is probably not as, um, I probably don't have much to update you on, let's say. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Uh, we're lucky enough to live close enough to the beach for us to get there to go for walks. And that, it, you know, that one thing each week, like on the weekend to go down and walk next to the beach is like my saving grace at the moment. Yeah, that's probably the biggest thing we're missing right now. Where mm. when the restriction came in for the five kilometers, I was on Google Maps checking. I knew we weren't inside five, but <sighs> we're eight point six kilometers from the beach. Oh my gosh, man, that is tantalizingly close. Yeah, it sucks. Oh, yeah. But at least you're doing the right thing, huh? Oh well, I've walked all the streets of Somerville now, so wow. <laughs> That be sounds like Karen in Brighton. incredibly creepy. <laughs> if you're out in Somerville and you see a creepy dude walking around with really long hair, <laughs> it's Tim. Yep, really long Corona hair. That's it. Oh my gosh! Well, this week uh, we got a ripper, man. Pineapple. This is a good one, and I don't know about you, but uh, growing up in Queensland, mm-hmm. this is kind of it. Feels like the memories of growing up came back when we decided to do pineapple and just had all of these kind of like summery feelings, yeah. and, which is good. Cause you know, we're in the middle of winter and it's raining and miserable and correct. Yeah. Oh, I had so many memories come back. I, we ate pineapple all the time. Yeah. I, I, I'd actually forgotten how much we ate it until we talked about doing it. And then I was researching and, and I really just, reflected on my childhood because it did bring back a lot of memories and yeah we we ate it all the time it was just a normal thing yeah yeah it's delicious 
Yeah, and then I of course you know there's the big pineapple. And that yes. brings back memories as well of <laughs> going to the pineapple plantation and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. getting on the train and stuff. So yeah, nice, no, good memories. Yeah, that place is shut down now, um, but I've got beautiful memories of the big pineapple too. I actually got changed for a wedding in the in the um, the car, car park. park of the big pineapple. <laughs> I remember you sent me a text on the day. <laughs> we're driving up from brisbane i think we were late for this wedding that was about to start and we were driving up in just like casual clothes and we're like well we'll we'll stop we'll you know we'll find somewhere to stop and change for this wedding on the way up Mm. nothing was coming up and then i saw the sign for the big pineapple and i was like we can get changed at the big pineapple for sure yeah definitely maybe inside the pineapple but uh it was pretty much closed down so (laughs) Yeah. Didn't they do a, a music festival there once or twice or something? Yeah, yeah. It was pretty cool. Back, uh, back I, in the I, days when we could have music festivals. Mm, and they had the um, the big macadamia nut next door. Oh, yeah. And the honeybee was um, on the same road as yeah, well. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Yeah. Uh, the Good times. Good yeah, times. That's it. Um well, look, shall we kick kick straight into facts this week? We've got a yeah. really long, well, <laughs> I shouldn't say. <laughs> We've got a very exciting episode. It's not long. It's, uh, it's ample size. For, it's captivating. Yes, correct. Uh, this, this one's going to be really cool. There's a lot of cool things with pineapples. So, uh, and, you know, there's lots in store for this, this episode. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to cover. Yeah. Mm. Or do you want to kick it off? Or sure. No, I'll, I'll kick it off because no. the first fact that I came across, uh, I came across when I was looking at the growing, and I don't know about you. When you, I don't know if you've if you've read it or if I'm going to tell you for the first time now, but it it kind of shocked me a little bit. Hawaii produces a third of all pineapples in the world. Yes, I did see that, and I was like, well. It kind of makes sense. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a tropical plant, but I yeah. don't know. Does it make sense? Hawaii is a bunch of islands, and I don't, I don't well, think of Hawaii and lots of farmland. You know? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying there. Um, but there is quite a there is quite an area on Hawaii for that. Yeah. So, okay. Well, you've been there. Well, I've never yeah, been there. Yeah. yeah. The Big Island. The, it's mm. massive. Like, yeah, and, and it's really only inhabited around the edges, most of it. So yeah, okay, yeah. Um, well, pineapples so ingrained over there, they actually have slang mm-hmm. that references pineapple. So apparently, and I've never heard this for fact, but what I read was if it's um, like in Australia, we'll call it a sun shower. So if it rains when it's sunny, we call it a sun shower. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the locals in Hawaii call it pineapple juice. Oh, like when it like a sun shower. Yeah. Oh, what? Like a golden shower. Oh, okay. <laughs> I feel like that's a little different. Do uh, they sorry. call that pineapple juice as well? <laughs> pineapple juice. It's yeah. stinging my eyes. <laughs> no, okay. I mean pineapples ingrained in the culture. They kind of reference yeah. it in slang. Yep. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Moving straight on from Tim's golden shower fact. Please, please do. Uh, okay, so. Pineapple plants, they actually have really pretty flowers. Now, I don't know if um, you know much about this, but 
uh, they can, so pineapple's flowers can actually vary from lavender to bright red. And the composition of a pineapple is actually a whole bunch of berries that have fused together. And that's how it grows around the core of the fruit. Yeah. I mean, I came across this as well. And I don't know if you're going to talk about it in the history, but where the name pineapple came from. Do you, uh, do you look at that or not? Or A little bit, yes. But... It, yeah, okay. Well, I won't go into that. But to add to what <laughs> you said about the flowers, yes. it's actually over 200 flowers that all grow together and they, they fuse to form this single pineapple. Mm. And the flowers and start looking like the scales on the outside. It, yeah. Fascinating. That's really cool. Mm. I really like that. That was it. Yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, I've got another one for you, which I don't know if it makes sense or not, but I can't think of what it is. But apparently every part of the pineapple can be used to make both vinegar and alcohol. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Mm, I thought that was, I, I thought about it and I thought, uh, do I know any pineapple alcohols or I don't know, but apparently you can use the whole thing to make a vinegar and an alcohol. Well, I, I, I guess when it comes to alcohol, it's just the high sugar content and, and that can be boiled down to make alcohol. Is that right? Or no? uh, well, yeah. Well, um, alcohol, I'm just thinking of uh, somebody we're going to talk to later on talking about biofuel, but uh, mm. maybe we'll cover that later. Yes. <laughs> hint. Hint, hint, hint. hint. <laughs> uh, have you got another one? I do. I do. Um, so each pineapple has individual segments mm -hmm. and these segments kind of interlock with each other to form these two helices mm -hmm. and there's 13 in one direction and eight in the other direction, which is actually um, part of the Fibonacci sequence or a number in the Fibonacci sequence. Yes. I read this too. It's actually, there's actually three, um, directions for the Fibonacci sequence on the pineapple uh, yep. around from the top to the bottom. I believe it's 21. Right. And that's the next sequence in the Fibonacci. Damn. Do you know how the Fibonacci sequence works? Ah, uh, just, yeah, yes. yeah. It, it's basically, it starts with zero and then it mm. goes one. And then the next number is the two numbers preceding it added together. Added together. Yep. Yeah. So it's yep. zero, one, one, two, three, five, yep. eight, 13, 21. And the eight, 13, 21 is the Fibonacci sequence in the... Yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool because that goes back to um, when we're talking about cauliflower as well and the, yes. the green cauliflower with the Fibonacci and the fractal pattern and everything. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um, actually, um, we didn't talk about this last week, but in it's actually in the sunflower as well. There you go. I didn't yeah. see that in any of the stuff I read, but that's cool. Yeah, because it's so with a Fibonacci sequence, if you put the boxes like next to each other, yeah. it creates uh, like a circle. Yeah, the like, spiral. Yeah, the yep. spiral. So yep. that's the spiral you can see in the seeds of a sunflower. Ah, that is There's cool. There's a spiral that goes around. Yeah, well, I was, I was going to say that um, I have read that it, the Fibonacci sequence appears everywhere in nature. Yeah. 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 So it's it probably won't be the last time we talk about it. No, definitely not. I mean, that's just, it's just cool, really. 
It is cool. Like yeah. even if you don't like maths, it's just cool that that's a naturally occurring sequence in nature. Okay, hit me with another one. Uh, all right. Did you know that once a pineapple has been harvested, it doesn't continue to ripen? Yeah, that I I read that part of the growing. That's yeah interesting because it plays into you have to really pick when you're going to harvest it. Like you can't just yeah. Correct. So like all pineapples in the grocery store are as ripe as they're ever going to be. Um, the difference in the colors is mostly based on where the pineapples are grown. So green pineapple can be just as sweet as a golden one. It's just, you know, they're just different types of pineapples. That's all. I found yeah, this really weird though, reading this. Because I, yeah, I, I thought it was <laughs> odd as well. Yeah. Cause I feel like they do continue to ripen because they can go bad. I was going to say, maybe don't confuse ripen with um, rotting. Correct. That's what yeah. I reckon as well. Yeah. So I, I found it to, to go on to the ripening thing because I was um, learning about the growing mm. and uh, I, was, I went down a YouTube hole. <laughs> and, as we uh, do, mate. We all course. do that. It's nothing to yeah. be ashamed of. Yeah. And so you have to be very particular about when you, if you're going to grow them yourself, mm. about when you harvest it, because if you let it get too ripe, it, it's almost like, it's almost instant. It goes almost ripe, almost ripe, ripe. And then it's too, it's gone too far and you can't like, you've got to harvest it just before it, or just as it gets to the ripe. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you've got to be very wow. particular about harvesting. That is crazy. I guess that's very similar to avocados in a way. You know, they don't continue to mature after you take them off. They completely mature on the tree. And then as soon as you take it off the tree, it starts decaying. Yeah. But the difference is you can leave it on the tree until you're ready. Correct. That's very correct. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, mate, I'm out of facts. So have you got any more? I've got one more, which leads us to somewhere. So did you know that pineapples uh, are actually used to make a, uh, a type of leather. Weirdly enough, I had this conversation with someone earlier in the week about this. And so I did know. <laughs> I feel like that was the worst segue that we've ever done. <laughs> Come on, I mate. Thought, just... we, we thought it was going to be a lot more natural than that, but that was... That was no, shit. no, it was, <laughs> that was horrible. Uh, did you know that? Yeah, actually, I do need to be. Oh, anyway, um, um, no, mate, well, I didn't know. So what? What happens? What happens? Look, we had the uh, absolute pleasure interviewing Tessa Carroll from Ahimsa Collective this week, uh, which she's got a an accessory luxury accessories label that manufactures handbags and different other accessories out of a, a fabric called Pinatex, which is basically, you know, pineapple leather. Right. And this is like, this is absolutely fascinating. So yeah, I recommend that anybody, you know, li- at least if you're going to listen, at least listen to this interview with Tessa, cause she is yes. making these incredible products out of, pineapple leaves really yeah. at the end of the day, but I had zero idea that this mm. was even possible um, until yeah. I'd heard about her. I had previously heard about yeah. it before we did this, but yeah. um, just fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I am lucky enough to have known Tessa uh, from when she started a Collective or mm. just before she started a Collective. Um, 
and she she's just so passionate about what she's doing that it transfers and and the fact that she's so good at what she's doing as well is like the next level but you know it's it's really nice to see someone really passionate about making a difference on a global scale you know using these sort of products and looking at the whole supply chain and making sure everything's really eco-friendly and for it to be doing so well as well i mean it's just it's really nice you know to see that yeah and yeah so we've got that interview coming up later on in the podcast but Mm -hmm. um i my takeaway from that and i don't want to speak for tessa but you know she's making this uh i don't want to say leather alternative because that's not the way she's kind of presenting it but it's Mm -hmm. it is you you could use it in place of leather but it it's not even about to me it wasn't it's not even about being vegan like it doesn't it doesn't play into it we're talking about a product that does the same thing as leather yes but is much better for our environment this sustainability you know that that closing the, the cycle and you know yeah. how how good it is for our environment so i really yeah. think that the the whole idea of it being vegan should you know be pushed aside and we look at it for the value that it is absolutely absolutely yeah. and I, I look even if you just wanted to look at it from the perspective of the health of the workers that are working with the raw material mm. it's so much healthier compared to using the chemicals that are used in leather compared to like what's been used in manufacturing pineapple leaves. Like even if you just look at that one thing, it's better, but then you magnify it out. You look at the environment, it's better. You know, you look at all the different uses that it has, it's better. It's just, it's a flow on effect. It's really, it's, it's such a good interview. I really enjoyed it. I know you did as well. It's coming up as soon as we finish nutrition this week. So uh, definitely one to listen to. Yeah, that is an amazing fact that you can make clothing or accessories, but probably clothing from pineapple. Yeah, pretty cool. Yep. Should we jump into history so we can kick this little pineapple off? Yeah, mate, you've got history, so take it away. Oh, shit. I didn't tell you one more fact. Damn. My last fact. And this is completely relevant to right now. Did you know Royal Melbourne Hospital, they're working on a nasal spray that takes an enzyme from pineapple to treat COVID-19? Oh, there you go. So they'll be looking at, I'm going to talk about it, about uh, bromelain. I, yeah. It may be that, yes. But yeah. essentially what they're trying to do is use this nasal spray to, it doesn't wipe COVID out, but what it does is it kind of blocks it from you being able to give it to other people. So interesting. Yeah. So it's a mouth spray and a nasal spray, I believe that they are working on that kind of uh, allows you to fight it better and also reduces your transmission effects of it. That is very interesting. I didn't come across that at all. No. Well, it's only hit the news tonight. Ah, okay. Yep. I know. I know. I was watching the news right before we started doing this and I was like, they were like, coming up next, how pineapples are helping in the fight against coronavirus. And I was like, oh, whoa, oh, oh snap. <laughs> I need to listen to this. Anyway, yeah. let's get on with the history. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So let's start with what pineapples are, right? So the botanical name for pineapple is Ananas Cosmosus. <laughs> Uh, damn it. Were you practicing that in front of the mirror? No, I didn't practice this. Well, one there's your problem. I I, <laughs> you know, after last week, I'm like, I got this, man. I, I can do this. And now that's commas I like it. You went in with confidence. Yeah, I know. But then I ruined it. Anyway, uh, so that's a botanical name of pineapple. Now, it's native to South America. And it was really named after its resemblance to a pine cone. Yes. There's no pines in it. There's no apples in it. It's not crossbreeded with any of those things. So it's got nothing to do with any of that. Yeah. Well, well, I, I, I want to like expand on that. So when we mm. were talking in the facts about the 200 flowers, if mm. you look at a pineapple when it's a bit younger and those mm-hmm. flowers mm-hmm. haven't quite fused together, you can kind of see why they thought it was related to the pine cone. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, did you know that the pine cone actually is part of the Fibonacci sequence as well? I actually, I feel like now that you mention it, I feel like somebody has told me that before yeah Yeah. so pretty cool now the pineapple plant is a low-growing spiky leaved uh fruit um basically and i think this is the crazy part for me pineapples grow out of the ground not in the ground and i know you're doing the growing section i don't want to steal your thunder with i'm i'm getting quite extensive with the growing okay amazing so that's all good so they reckon that you know, that uh, the pineapple actually started in pre-Columbian kind of South America time. So before Columbia was actually a, a thing, you know, the pineapples really were in that area. Now, it wasn't until uh, Christopher Columbus came in in about 1493. Now, now this is as far back as history goes. Yeah, so he came in, he collected the capsicum and the pineapple and the tomatoes (laughs) so he (laughs) correct (laughs) and took them all away yeah um so yes he came in he saw these spiky crowned fruits and uh and they took the pineapples back to spain where everyone really loved them and they were this exotic fruit but you know what they didn't realize was that pineapples actually need a tropical climate to grow so when they got them back there, it didn't really get very far. And the only way that the Europeans could really get their hands on pineapples was if it was imported. Mm-hmm. You know? And usually it was such a massive trek, you know, to bring them across the Atlantic Ocean that, you know, a lot of times it would end up being really bruised or the fruit would be rotten by the time it got there. Because, I mean, we, we just spoke about this. As soon as you cut a pineapple off, it doesn't continue to ripen, but it starts to rot. Mm, yep. So there's limited time that you can use this. They yeah. didn't have freezers that they could chuck the pineapple in. Yeah. So imagine, well, imagine. Preserve a, them in cans. and that's Exactly, sort of exactly. Yeah. Imagine a boat carrying pineapples over and nah. you'd have how to, bad that would You'd have get. to take the plants, like figure yes. out where they are in the, the maturation <laughs> and put all the plants on the boat. And then by the time they get there, they're right. <laughs> are you saying keep growing them on the, yeah. <laughs> that's actually genius. They'd have like a whole lower deck is just pineapple plants that's and soil. They, that's why they pay me the big bucks. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, so much later in like sort of the mid 17th century, there was still, you know, pineapples are starting to be grown across England and in the Netherlands. And what they did was they grew them in hot houses. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so they could kind of mimic the conditions that were, you know, this warm temperature, nice and humid that produced the pineapple. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to get into your section too much. Well, I'm actually going to, I'm going to change that um, because it is, you know, it's a, it's a tropical climate plant, but I'm going to hmm. talk about how you can actually grow it anywhere in the world. Yep. Ooh, oh, it's come a long way. Has it? Yeah. I like well, it. I think they've learned what it actually needed. So it wasn't so much about the heat. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Um, now, because they're in such high demand and low in supply, it was really only the wealthy that could afford to buy pona, you know, afford to buy these pineapples. And everyone loved them as well. So, you know, there were monarchs such as Catherine the Great, Charles II, uh, Louis the Fifteenth. Um, yep. Yeah. Who, well, I've spoken about Louis the Fourteenth, so <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so they really love this sweet fruit, and you know the whole the whole fruit just symbolised opulence and like you know this wealthy demeanour to everyone. Uh, there's actually a really amazing painting of Charles II, who I was looking at, who had a, a painting commissioned of his gardener presenting him with a pineapple. And it's like this real old painting, you know, this is back in the 17th century. Yeah. And, you know. Big old oil painting his, or something. Yeah, yeah but it, this dude with his big massive hat, you know, we're over in Spanish area yeah, and they've okay. got those big hats and um, these white socks up to his knees with these little shoes. And there's this dude just holding a pineapple up to him, you know, like for him to take. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, in terms of America and the colonies in America, it was in the 1700s uh, that pineapples were uh, a little bit more, um, you know, the so 1700s, that was after the British colonisation. Was, was that in the 1600s? Yeah, anyway. Yes, yeah. Yep. Um, and they were imported from the Caribbean islands. Uh, so, but in terms of cost in those, so... I read this really cool fact. So in today's dollars, one pineapple costs as much as $8,000. Jesus. Could you imagine having to spend that much on a piece of fruit? I know. But we're talking about, and and I mean, when we talk supply and demand, it kind of mm. leads into this. No one's bringing them over on the boat because it's so hard to bring them over on the boat and they're scarce and everybody loved them. So, you know, the 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 fact that they were so exotic and you couldn't get them but everyone loved them mm. just drove the price right up yep yeah which is really cool the funniest part of that was that to to sort of uh perpetuate what pineapples were really um you know the symbol that they had there was actually a rental market for pineapples what i know right so the fruit was like this thing that, you know, you could create jealousy amongst your friends. So they would rent a pineapple for the night and then they could on sell it for consumption to, you know, pineapple merchants or, you know, something like that. So that if you couldn't actually afford to, um, to have a pineapple for yourself, you'd rent it for the night and have people over and they'd see that you've got this pineapple. Look at my pineapple. <laughs> exactly. I'm wealthy. I'm, I'm yes. amazing. And then they'd on sell it the next day to give it off to someone before it rotted out. Mm. Enough to be able to be, yeah. 
That's so funny. It's cool, huh? Uh, it's it's funny how we have not changed as humans. It's like you just, oh, whatever yeah. it does to make yourself look good in front of other people. <laughs> so it was in 1777 that uh, Captain James Cook uh, planted pineapples on the Society Islands and the Friendly Islands and a couple other places in the South Pacific. And it wasn't until... Um, and this is kind of where it transferred, and, and we're going to talk about Hawaii now. It wasn't until about 1885 that the first large kind of plantation of pineapples uh, was established in Oahu, Oahu. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the islands in Hawaii. Now, uh, and that was about five acres. Okay. So not huge, but... No. Yeah. Substantial for that time. Yeah. So considering um, you could sell them for eight thousand dollars each yeah well exactly right well that was about a hundred years before yeah. that but still um and now i'm going to talk a little bit more about like how they kind of made it into australia and it was really in 1838 there were lutheran missionaries who imported pineapple plants from india into brisbane Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it was grown on a small scale there and sold locally in Queensland. Uh, in terms of commercial production, that wasn't until 1924 when there was a canning plant that was established in Rockhampton and in Cairns in uh, 1946. So the canning happened in Rockhampton in about 1924 and then you had Cairns open one in 1946. Now you're from up the top end. Yep. So, you know, you know, obviously it's a, such a big thing up there, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. We, you know, it's part of the fabric of... Yeah. Nah, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that there's a lot of pineapples. Oh, but something sure. that there's much more of, which you probably were well aware of, but uh, post the war, pineapple production actually increased and replaced some of the sugarcane cultivation. Yeah. So sugarcane is massive in North Queensland. Yeah, it's huge. And you do see um, it's not to the same level as sugarcane, but you do see fields of pineapples, like just yes. as far as you can see. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing, right? It is, yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk, we're going to flip back over. So that's a bit more about Australia and how they got into Australia. We're going to flip back over to Hawaii. Yep. So there was an industrialist, James Dole, who started the pineapple plantation in Hawaii. And now he wanted to sell and distribute this uh, fruit with a business that he called the Hawaiian Pineapple Company, which later was known as the Dole Food Company. Now, the Dole Food Company is like massive and is still operating. Right. So Dole, heard of it. Dole Pineapple, yeah, it's massive over in the States. Okay. Yeah. Do they own a heap of big brands or? Uh, I think they they look after like a lot of the pineapple. Yeah, so okay. for about seven decades, his plantation in uh, Lanai uh, produced more than 75% of the world's pop population of pineapples. Wow. 75%. Yeah. I know. Yeah. How crazy is that? No, that's, that's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Right. Um, so that's, pretty much a lot of the history but i wanted to take a little side step with history today cool yeah and talk about the hawaiian pizza 
<laughs> okay, let's no. open. Let me get that can of worms. Where is it? Because a lot of people say that you can't have pizza, like you can't have pineapple on pizza. It's like a big thing for people, right? Yep. Yeah, but we're, I'm not really going to have a debate about that. We can have that debate when we get to cooking. But um, we're, I read this thing where it was like, does the Hawaiian pizza come from Hawaii? Mm. Yeah. Um, now, traditional Hawaiian pizza is cheese, tomatoes, ham, and pineapple. Okay. Yep. And according to this uh, article that I was reading, about 15% of all pizzas sold in Australia are Hawaiian pizzas. That doesn't surprise me at all. It doesn't surprise me either. They're saying that, you know, it's one of the most popular pizzas in Australia. And that's pretty much where it is, is like, you know, Australia is really where it's at. But the Hawaiian pizza actually, uh, it kind of traces back to something that was called Toast Hawaii, which was an open-faced sandwich, which was a slice of toast covered in ham and cheese and a slice of pineapple with a cherry in the middle. And then they grilled it. I've seen those. Yeah. Okay. Now, this was started by a German, this was started by a German TV cook, Clemens Wildenrod who published it in 1955. Wow, so okay. Yep. Hawaii was the name for the toast because of the pineapple. Um, but that's kind of where that connection came from. And that is where we can kind of see that the Hawaiian pizza came from. Kind of, kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much the history of pineapples. That's very cool. I, I actually look up at the big pineapple. I don't remember, but I do remember they had the, you know, all the education, everything. I, I don't remember any of it. So no. I had no idea that it was native to South America. And yeah. Um, yeah. The Hawaiian pizza. I mean, I didn't <laughs> even put one and two together then when I said that they're the third largest, uh, they produce a third of the world's pineapple. And I still didn't even think about Hawaiian pizza. <laughs> It's but it makes a, sense, you know, the grilled yeah. the grilled cheese sandwich with the slice of pineapple. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. Not, not a far stretch to put it on a pizza and No. Yeah. No, it's essentially a larger sandwich, really. It's <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> the same basics, right? It's still a serving for one. <laughs> <laughs> You're damn right there. <laughs> Anyone who doesn't finish a whole pizza to themselves, just get out. <laughs> I love it when I'm in a group of people, particularly work, because we've ordered pizzas at work before. And they're like, how many pizzas were you getting? And I go, one, two, three, four. <laughs> one each. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's good, Absolutely. mate. I, I really enjoyed that. Okay. Well, I'm going very different this time. and. Okay. Bromelain is not something that we've ever spoken about. No. And we probably won't again because um, from what I read that pineapple is the only plant from what they call the bromelades category. Mm-hmm. It's the only plant that we eat. Yeah. So Have you seen a bromelade before? No, I haven't. No. Oh, they're such beautiful flowers. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll have to look one up. Yeah. yeah. And they hold water in them. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Well, I, this I is, love them. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that in the growing as well. Yep. Awesome. 
Um, Exciting! But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really just going to focus on the bromelane component of the Amazing. pineapple. I'm okay. going to talk about the other stuff that's in it, but yeah, all right. um, I will, I'll jump ahead. There's a lot of vitamin C in pineapple. So I'm Amazing. going to just recap vitamin C for the people that haven't heard the other podcasts. Okay. And it's also high in manganese. I'm going to recap that as well, but I will also reference the other episodes that people can go to for more information. Awesome. The rest of it is all about bromelain, right? Wow. Well, I'm glad because yeah. that's what my question was. <laughs> exactly. Cool. It's like we planned it. Yeah. We didn't plan that though. No, we, we didn't. <laughs> uh, we're just on the same, same page. Well, we like the same things, mate. Correct. Correct. Mm. So, uh, one cup of pineapple. Yes. Oh, let's clarify. One cup of pineapple chunks. Uh, chunk, chunks. Chunks. So chunky yeah. pineapple. Yep. Yes. Is about 165 grams. So okay. I'm going to talk about what's in 165 grams of pineapple chunks. It's about 82 calories. So not very high at all. That's actually better than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Um, fat and protein, not very much. Super high in carbs, as you would expect, because uh, there's a lot of lot of naturally occurring sugar in pineapple. Yep. So in 165 grams, it's 21.6 grams of carbs. So mm-hmm. super high in sugar. Uh, it's also pretty decent with fiber, 2.3 grams. So that's pretty good. Yep. Uh, so vitamin C, I said, is 131% of your daily intake in that Damn. 165 grams. Manganese is 76%. So they're, they're kind of the two standout things that's in pineapple. Then you've got uh, vitamin B6, which is 9%. Uh, copper, 9%. Actually, that just reminded me, I am going to do a little bit on copper because we haven't spoken about copper before. Yeah, okay. Because um, I think when you think copper, I just think copper pipes. Correct. And I'm like, yeah. uh, they tell us that it's bad when copper parts start decaying and it gets into yeah. your water. So why is copper not bad for me? Well, copper as a trace mineral is good, but if it's um, a copper pipe has been processed and then it's kind of oxidizing, so it's it's leaching away. It may not be the full copper compound that you're getting. Mm. That's probably that. For me, that's the thought of what the process is there. Okay. Uh, you've got thiamine is 9%, folate 7%, potassium 5%, magnesium 5%, niacin 4%. We've got pentathenic acid at 4%, mm-hmm. riboflavin at 3%, and iron at 3%. Jeez. So, yeah, there's some pretty good stuff going on in there. It's decent, man. Yeah. Um, so I'll just talk a little bit about vitamin C and uh, manganese because it's really high in those. And like I said, we have talked about them in previous episodes as well. Mm-hmm. But um, just to recap on the vitamin C, it's the body's primary water-soluble antioxidant. Mm-hmm. Um, it defends all, if it's water-soluble, it kind of defends all the water areas or the aqueous areas of the body against free radicals that would attack from or attack and damage normal cells. Mm-hmm. Uh, the free radicals kind of have have sort of been shown to promote uh, artery and plaque buildup and contributing to atherosclerosis. You've got um, contributing to diabetic heart disease, can cause airway spasms that lead to asthma attacks. Um, they damage the cells of the colon, which is kind of the precursor to colon cancer cells, uh, contributing to joint pain and... and um, disability that comes with osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis. 
so it's kind of why it's been shown that uh, diets rich in vitamin C um, are, are useful for preventing or reducing the severity of all of these conditions. Mm. And also vitamin C is vital for the proper function of the immune system. Uh, and it's uh, something that people often turn to, you know, for colds and flus and that sort of thing. Uh, vitamin C also encourages growth and healing around the body and plays a role in everything from wound repair to iron absorption. So pretty, <laughs> pretty, um, pretty important nutrient. Uh, I don't think we've yeah. ever discussed that it's vitamin C is a nutrient that the body can't make. We have to get it through our food. Yes. Uh, so we constantly need to eat vitamin C and you yeah. see it in nature. I mean, almost everything we've spoken to has got a pretty reasonable level of vitamin C in it. So it's, it's, yeah. it's easy for us to get. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we touched on, um, we touched on scurvy, which is a vitamin C deficiency when we did the oranges episode. Orange. Yep. Um, and that's actually interesting because, you know, one of the, one of the things that happens when you have scurvy is that old wounds start opening up. And yep. you just said it helps with wound, like, you know, helps wound repair. Wound, yeah. wound repair. Yeah. So, you know, uh, definitely a necessary vitamin for mm. your body to get with all those antioxidants. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, and manganese we've spoken about before. Uh, it's, it's a, also a trace mineral that the body needs in small amounts. Uh, manganese is required for normal function of the brain and nervous system. Uh, and it's involved in a lot of the body's enzyme systems, and it also supports uh, your bone mineral density and that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, but going to the uh, enzyme system, it's an essential cofactor in um, what's called the uh, oxidative enzyme superoxide dismutase, or SOD. Now, I spoke about this in fennel, so yes. go and check out the fennel episode for that. Yeah. Uh, but this SOD... Um, kind of disarms the free radicals, um, particularly produced in the mitochondria. So that's where we produce energy in our in our body or inside our cells. But yeah, um, yeah go and go and listen to uh, the fennel episode for that one. Yeah, when you said mitochondria, there it just made me think about Star Wars and Why? the midichlorians. Oh yeah, with the how <laughs> how powerful they are with the in force. The force. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I just finished watching. The Skywalker legacy, the behind the scenes. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> about anyway, uh, manganese has nothing to do with midichlorians. <laughs> <laughs> Caveat. <laughs> Just putting that out there. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, yeah, okay. So along with vitamin C, pineapple also has uh, phenolics and flavonoids. And basically they all combine together to give a really powerful antioxidant effect from pineapple. Mm. So, yeah, we've talked about it heaps of times, but they're basically molecules that help the body combat oxidative stress. Um, and that oxidative stress is a state where that, that balances out and there's too many free radicals in the body. Mm. And these free radicals cause damage that it's like basically all your chronic illness and chronic inflammation and yeah. you know, it weakens the immune system and basically the cause for a lot of our um, major illnesses that happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's that. And then there's uh, copper I want to talk about. I just realized I had copper yeah. all at the end of my notes, so I've just quickly scrolled down to try and find copper. Um, okay, copper. Copper is uh, an essential nutrient for the body uh, together with iron. Mm -hmm. uh, and basically what it does is it enables the body to form 
to, to create the red blood cells. It also helps maintain healthy bones, blood vessels, nerves, and immune function. Uh, copper also contributes with iron absorption as well. Mm. And sufficient copper in the diet may help prevent cardiovascular disease and osteoporosis. So uh, still very essential when it comes to uh, the human body. That's cool. Mm. Yeah. To form red blood cells. Yes. And I don't think we'll ever get to it, but uh, it's my understanding that the blood is created inside the bone. So um, in mm. your bone marrow, which is mm. interesting. So you would need the copper and yeah, yeah. Help, help create new red blood cells. Yeah. Let's talk about bromelain. I thought um, you'd never get there. <laughs> I, I kind of want to preface at the start that um, a lot of the a lot of the things or the health benefits that I'm going to talk about with relation to bromelain um, generally refer to supplementation. Okay. Um, the bromelain that you can get out of pineapple comes from two different areas. Um, and the amount you get is probably not, um, not like a, a very high dose. So, okay. You, you know, you could increase your pineapple consumption, but you may not get enough to achieve some of the stuff that I'm going to talk about. You will, there are some effects you will get, but um, mm. a lot of it's in higher doses in supplementation. So I just want to kind of preface that, but okay, uh, still interesting. But if I ate like a whole pineapple every morning in my like smoothie bowl or something like that. Yeah. Well, there's, there's some studies that I'm going to talk about where they talk about feeding extra pineapple and, you know, Mm. Yeah, so you, you can still get benefit from it, but some of the real um, uh, like medical doses or, um, yeah, okay. you, you know, there's, we're talking some cancer and there's a b- bunch of stuff where you really need a super high dose. Yeah, yeah okay. And you, you're just not going to get it. Yeah. Well, I suppose that's why the nasal spray that they're working on at the Royal Melbourne Hospital is not just shoving a piece of pineapple up your nose. Yeah. Well, I found it interesting when you said that because I want to go and read it. I I don't have it in my notes. So I can't remember exactly, but there was um, reference to something about where bromelain, it's like anecdotal evidence, which is why mm. I'm not talking about it because there's no real study, but mm-hmm. talking about relieving sinusitis and nasal congestion and all that sort of stuff. So wow. now I want to see what, what the yeah. Royal Melbourne's doing because you've now got a scientific study that's, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I'm not actually going to talk about that in there, but I, I do remember reading it. Mm. So uh, bromelain are basically a group of digestive enzymes for, okay. for a, a easy way to describe them. They, they function as what they call um, protease uh, and they break down protein molecules into their building blocks. Um, so, yes. you know, so when you break down protein, you get um, amino acids and small peptides and that sort of thing. And um, once the proteins are broken down, then they're more easily absorbed through the small intestine. And um, this is, can be helpful for people with pancreatic, pancreatic insufficiency uh, so condition where the pancreas can't make enough digestive enzymes. So it can help people digest particularly protein where otherwise they couldn't have. Um, there was a study done that showed uh, participants with this pancreatic insufficiency experience better digestion after taking this uh, a digestive enzyme supplement that had bromelain in it compared to people who took the same supplement without bromelain. 
some studies have shown that um, pineapple and its compounds, uh, this is going into cancer, may reduce the risk of cancer. And this is plays in on that. Uh, we're talking about the oxidative stress state in the body. Mm. And we've talked about this across many different episodes. So, I mean, any way you can reduce oxidative stress, you, you effectively reduce your risk of heart disease and cancer and like a whole heap of our really big chronic diseases. Yeah. Uh, some test tube studies have shown that bromelain uh, may help fight cancer. There was uh, two test tube studies done that showed bromelain uh, suppressed the growth of breast cancer cells and stimulated cell death. So not only did it stop it growing, it killed the cells. Wow. Uh, and another study showed that bromelain suppressed cancer of the skin, the bile duct and the gastric, uh, gastric system and colon, uh, which is interesting because it kind of, it supports the digestive system as an enzyme mm. and its effect slows down cancer in the, di- the digestive system. So yeah. funny how it kind of sticks to that area. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was was as well. Uh, there was an, uh, an animal study that's found that bromelain may stimulate the immune system pr- to produce molecules that make the white blood cells more effective at suppressing cancer cell growth and eliminating. So that plays into what we spoke about before when it can stop and and kill. So your white blood cells is, you, you know, your immune system that goes out to kill other things. Mm. Uh, so this one uh, is about eating eating more pineapple. There was a nine-week study. Um, I don't know how I feel about this. That it was a study done on children, <laughs> but that's okay. It just made them eat more pineapple. What's wrong with that? <laughs> We're supposed to study children, mate. I know. <clears throat> I know. You said that really weird. I know. Uh, no, it's... <laughs> I had... Uh, Something caught in my throat. Yeah. They study babies when they're born. No, I know. There's all sorts it's of it's just funny where it's like this study fed 98 healthy children. What are you, <laughs> you just imagine like forcing I don't want to eat them, it. You've got them trapped into like one of those things and it opens their mouth and they're just shoving pineapple like down their throat. Homer Simpson eating donuts in hell. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right yeah. okay i'm they picturing fed- it now man it's a beautiful thing to see study study fed 98 healthy children either force, sorry i think you force, force, force fed 98 force. healthy children oh well the next the next line doesn't work force fed healthy children either no pineapple <laughs> <laughs> yeah so either no pineapple some pineapple which uh is 140 grams or lots of pineapple which is 280 grams a day so this is per day um that's not that much that's like a cup or two cups two cups i look uh i love pineapple easily easy easy (laughs) yeah uh so yeah not that bad of a study for kids if they like pineapple which who doesn't it's sugary beautiful yeah yeah um, so the, the goal was to see if it boosted their immunity and, mm-hmm. and they found that the children who ate pineapples had a significantly lower risk of both viral and bacterial infections. The children who ate the most pineapple had close to four times more disease fighting white blood cells than the other two groups. And another study found that children, and this is talking about the nose, children with a, a sinus infection recovered faster while taking a bromelain supplement. So this is not about eating the pineapple, Mm. but um, 
that was compared to a standard uh, a standard treatment of uh, another sinus treatment. So they one with bromelain in and one without. Mm. Yeah, so they recovered significantly faster, and they also showed that the bromelain can reduce markers of inflammation in the body. So that's where this, you know, the sinus and sinusitis and all that sort of stuff we talk about inflammation. But uh, the markers of inflammation we're talking about right through the whole body. Wow. So on the inflammation side, if we think about arthritis, I mean, arthritis is, is inflammation in the joints. Mm-hmm. Um, there's many types of arthritis and um, pineapples with the bromelain, which I've just said, you know, is a kind of anti-inflammatory in the, in the body. It's commonly thought that um, the, the bromelain in the pineapples may provide pain relief uh, for those with arthritis. That's really specifically the inflammatory type of arthritis, but there's research that goes back as early as 1960s that shows that bromelain was used to relieve symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis. And uh, several recent studies have also looked into the effectiveness of bromelain and arthritis. Uh, one study in patients that had osteoarthritis found that taking this digestive enzyme supplement containing bromelain uh, helped relieve pain as effectively as some common arthritis medicines. So wow. a digestive enzyme relieved pain the same as, you know, off the shelf medicine. Uh, one review analyzed bromelain's ability to treat osteoarthritis and it concluded that bromelain has the potential to relieve arthritis symptoms, especially in the short term. But it's not clear if bromelain is, can actually be used as a long-term treatment for arthritis. It's more mm. like symptomatic and uh, more studies needed into the arthritis syndrome and, and how, it, how it works. Yep. Wow. But still, if you're needing, um, if you're needing immediate relief, it's you know it's a, a good way just to add more pineapple to your diet even if a, even if you get a small benefit from it oh. i know people that suffer from rheumatoid arthritis and it's debilitating oh yeah it's terrible yeah horrible that's really cool it is yeah this next bit i think you'll find particularly cooler cuz that really appealed to me and it's about uh recovering from sport and that sort of thing, but uh, it goes into more than that. So eating pineapples uh, is thought to reduce the time it takes from both uh, surgery or exercise. So, you know, two different kind of systems, but the same effect. And it's thought that it's because of this anti-inflammatory properties again. And uh, so several studies have shown that bromelain may reduce inflammation, swelling, bruising, and pain that often occurs after surgery. It's also um, seems to reduce markers of inflammation. So, for example, one study showed that those who consumed bromelain before dental surgery had significantly reduced pain and also felt happier than people who didn't. I feel like that part of the study was subjective. But, uh, <laughs> I'm going to show you six faces. Can you tell me which of these faces is you at the moment? I know, right? <laughs> one yeah <laughs> uh yeah but um maybe there was a cup of pineapple underneath the happy one and they were like which one are you and they're like that one like here's your cup of pineapple i know i i feel happy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah take that with a grain of salt but um 
it, it appeared to provide a similar amount of relief as a, a common anti-inflammatory medicine. So we're probably talking about, you know, um, your non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like Nurofen or Advil yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, um, okay. What's that other one that everyone has? Uh, Voltaren. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. So strenuous exercise, which we're going to talk about. The, um, when you're, you know, exerting yourself physically, you you basically damage your muscle tissue. Mm-hmm. And when you damage the tissue or you tear it, you cause uh, inflammation in the surrounding muscle. And basically what happens is, is those affected muscles uh, can't produce as much force. And that kind of manifests in soreness, which you and I are both very familiar with. And it's mm-hmm. also referred to as DOMS. Yes. Or delayed is... onset muscle soreness. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, you, you you experience muscle soreness in the days after you do strenuous activity. Yeah. Second day. There is a thing called the repeated bout effect. So when you continually train, mm-hmm. you adapt, and you and your body gets those those sore periods get progressively shortened. Yep. But um, the this protease that's in um, well, that is bromelain, basically. It's believed to speed up the recovery of this damage that's caused by strenuous exercise exercise by reducing exercise. I couldn't get it out there. But, um, yeah, so basically it reduces the inflammation in the surrounding area and um, helps speed up the recovery of the damaged tissue. Wow. So there was a study that tested this theory by providing participants a, a digestive enzyme supplement that contained bromelain. Um, so they gave it to them 45 minutes, uh, after, uh, strenuous exercise on the treadmill. Uh, those who took the supplement had less inflammation and maintained more strength after, and several other studies have shown that bromelain can, can speed up the recovery from damage caused by exercise. So, um, definitely worth, uh, a look, you know, if you're, yeah. If you're exercising and you're constantly, you know, constantly struggling with that, you know, you could, because bromelain is, you can buy it off the shelf. A, a good health food store will have a bromelain that you can buy off the shelf. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's pretty easy to come by. And I know we sold a fair bit of it when I had the health food shop. Yeah. So um, really interesting. You've got that, that effect on, uh, strenuous exercise and re- even recovering from surgery or dental work or whatever, you know, the, the powerful anti-inflammatory op- uh, properties that help with arthritis and, you know, inflammation right through the whole body. So arthritis is just one manifestation of inflammation, but it, it can, yeah. it can come out as lots of, lots of different things. But um, that is the medicine and nutrition of the pineapple. Amazing, man. You know, as you were talking about that, and it's a digestive enzyme. Yeah. In my head, because I suffer from celiac disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is essentially inflammation in inflammation the Inflammation in the gut. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, essentially it just blocks off all the little tinty things yep. that absorb nutrients, right? Yeah. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if bromelain would ease some of the symptomatic uh, issues that would arise from, you know, the introduction of gluten into someone's, you know, gut. Yeah. It's quite possible. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm actually fascinated by whether that's something that people are working on. Cause 
there's always these rounds of things that come out saying we're going to cure celiac disease. You know, it's usually going to be a digestive enzyme. And what does that actually look like? And we're on the verge of it. I wonder if they're using bromelain as like, mm. as the main, the core to what this is looking like. Yeah. That's it. Um, it's really cool to think about what yeah. know, possibilities and, and, and as we learn more and you start connecting different things and different yeah. systems in the body and, yeah, it seems like it's it's a multifaceted enzyme mm. that helps with lots of different things. Yeah, and can be applied to multiple different. Um, I mean, inflammation is something that occurs from you know, and there's a lots of different illnesses that result from an increased amount of inflammation. Yes. So, yeah. you know, treating that inflammation treats multiple things mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely that was cool man yeah i found it really interesting yeah i really really like that wow how good man mm. now we've got a, a special the special guest is up next tessa's in the interview and we're getting straight onto that right after the break yeah fire that one up buddy yeah here it is so have a listen So joining us today is Tessa Carroll, and she is the plant-based eco-warrior behind Ahimsa Collective, a luxury accessories label that is at the forefront of innovative fashion. Now, Tessa has been in the fashion industry since her mother taught her to sew at age seven. She's very passionate about our planet, our oceans, and truly changing the way we think about fashion from a consumer perspective and also setting new and effective supply chains utilizing eco-friendly materials. Uh, Ahimsa Collective was selected for the ING Dream Starter program in 2019, uh, which they excelled in, uh, and they continue to go from strength to strength. They've been featured in Vogue, uh, Qantas in-flight magazine, Travel Insider, They've been on Studio 10 for interviews and ABC Radio. And Tessa is with us today. Hello, guys. How are you? Very good, very thank well. you. Very well. Thanks for being with us today. You're very welcome. Hmm. Now, we may as well start with the most obvious question. Um, what are your accessories and handbags made from? It is an obvious question because most people would say leather or PU. But I would say pineapple leaves, water bottles, and washable paper. Right. <laughs> Straight away, I, I find that absolutely fascinating. I was uh, trolling through your website today, trying to learn as much as I could. And it's, it's just, I, I don't know, I, I just want to know more about how, how it's done. And oh, it's just, it's incredible. Yeah, pineapple leaves um, really blew my mind as well. Um, some context to pineapple leather or, or why I use pineapple leather, I guess would be that I, like most people, um, established the connection between fashion and environmental degradation. And so I started looking for an alternative to leather. Um, I'd stopped, I, I guess, consuming animal products. And so I didn't really feel right buying leather. And the only option out there was plastic leather or vegan leather, as the fashion journos now call it, which... <laughs> really irks me um, and at the time nothing else was available and that's when I discovered pineapple leather or Pinatex as it's known as. Yeah. Now Pinatex is, I mean, 
it's quite unique in, in what it is. Uh, it, it's really hard to kind of look at what your label is and, and all the accessories that you have and understand that that is pineapple leaves. Yes, it's a so it's made from the fibers of the pineapple plant itself. So um, I don't know if you've ever seen a pineapple being grown, but it's growing on a bush, not on a tree. And all of the excess hard and fibrous leaves that grow around the plant, the fruit, are actually some of the most um, sturdiest and durable farm plant leaves in the leaf kingdom. And so when you strip that down, you can actually create a really um, strong and durable textile and not from weaving it like you would say a traditional cotton or a plant that you spin into a yarn. You don't spin this into a yarn. It's more of a felting-like process. So um, if you can imagine or remember ever in kindergarten making woolen felt and you pull apart all the cotton wool and then you put water on it and you roll it into something new. That's a similar kind of concept to pineapple leather. And then it's coated with a resin so that it's water and um, water resistant. Right. So it, it, for me, it really comes down to how, how did you come across Pinatex? Like where did, where did that connection start? Um, so I'd been, I'd worked previously, I've worked in leather and footwear here in Melbourne in a couple of different, um, Victoria, Australian footwear brands and so I was um, <clears throat> quite involved in accessories and I started to question what the leather impact was so I started to research and at the time it was 2017 and at the time I think there was mushroom leather that was just being played around with which sadly has yet to launch still um, because there's a lot of innovation that goes into these products and lo and behold I was on Facebook one day scrolling <clears throat> and this ad comes up and it says leather made out of pineapple leaves and as you can imagine clickbait got me and uh <laughs> next minute i'm trying to contact the company saying when can i when can i use this like how can i use this and why 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 haven't you released this is this possible can i see it you know all the questions that any um mad hungry vegan leather alternative chasing designer is <laughs> has on the tip of her tongue anyway the answer is no you can't use it. No, we're not releasing it. No, it's not ready. So it was quite the challenge. Um, we ended up putting one of our team members on a plane to London and she sat on the doorstep of the um, textile innovator until they gave her five minutes and she just was relentless, really. Um, <laughs> classic entrepreneur. Um, yeah. No, you can't, you can't come in. No, you don't have a meeting. And she said, that's fine. I'll just sit and wait. Finally, they gave us a couple of metres of sampling and Two years on, we're still playing with the stuff now. <laughs> that is quite amazing. Clickbait, hey? Yeah. And, well, tenacity as well. I feel like that is a big part of why you're using it today. Yes, it's been an interesting journey as well, I guess. Textile innovation, I guess. Um, well, to be honest, I, I liken it a lot to fake meat development. You know, mm -hmm. we, we look at it and we bite into it. We think, holy mackerel, how is this not meat? And I guess... Um, Pinatex or pineapple leather has that same concept around it I guess you, you're trying to develop a product that appeals to the masses looks like leather but isn't leather um, mm. and if you aren't able to make it look or feel like leather then generally you aren't able to reach the masses and cause change absolutely 
Well, on that note, have you, have you seen many positive environmental or social impacts from you using Pinatex instead of, I mean, I would assume that it's much better for the environment uh, than traditional leather, but like, what does that look like? Actually, Pinatex is one of the most fascinating textiles I've come across in that it's a, um, it's a byproduct of the pineapple farming industry. So the industry is already there. The farmers are already um, farming pineapples. So the leaves are being discarded or burnt um, if they're, once they're composted so that they can return to earth quickly. So essentially you're turning waste into a new product, which means you're not using any extra land, water or fertilisers. There's no extra work involved in terms of farming that. Um, so from an environmental perspective, using waste and reducing our you know, need on the finite resources we have available is one environmental benefit. Another environmental or social impact actually is that we're employing these remote communities in the Philippines who have already obviously are farming pineapples, but now they've got a secondary income where they can create this pineapple leather or pinatex. Um, and a tertiary income, they can actually create a biogas from the development of the pinatex, which they can then power their tractors and sell back to the community to give themselves, you know, power within the, um, their villages. So it's really like the most, one of the most incredible circular economy style textiles. Um, further to that, I think one of the questions that really interests me a lot is when people talk about animal agriculture on a mass scale and how that affects the planet. Um, you know, we, we look at vegan leather as an alternative because we're trying to choose an, an eth more ethical choice, take, make a more ethical choice and save the life of an animal. But we're not looking at that on the level of how that affects the planet. And if we're choosing plastic leather because we're trying to not hurt an animal, then we're really just causing more environmental degradation. Um, essentially, yes, leather is a natural product, but so that to get it to the point where you can carry it under your arm, it actually is treated by with a hell of a lot of chemicals, which, you know, therefore stop it from rotting under your arm because essentially it's in. Yes. Right? And um, when you put that back into the ground, the toxic chemicals leach back into the earth and cause a hell of a lot of damage in our underlayers of our soil. So there's many different ways that Pinatex, I think, is superior um, environmentally than leather and PU. And I think that's the main reason as to why we use it. Obviously it's, that's what was our driving force. Yeah. I, I find it amazing now that you've kind of laid it out that real, you know, sort of circular um, creating that green cycle where the, the farmers were getting, you know, so many dollars per, per hectare or whatever. And now they've just mm -hmm. increased their, yeah. you know, their efficiency of their farm and with the biofuel, it, it's all like, I mean, to me, it feels like a no-brainer. What do you think? What do you think the barrier is to getting people to change their mindset to go from um, you seeing a handbag on a shelf to 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 your product or you know similar products that have the same environmental sustainability? Mm -hmm. Getting people to have that as a primary, like you don't even think twice about it. You wouldn't go, "That's leather," and that's that's Pinatex. You would just go, "I like that. I'm going to buy it," rather than thinking about yeah. those things. Well, I, I, I listened to an amazing podcast recently about the founder of Impossible Meats, and he talks a lot about how he wasn't trying to create a vegetarian burger. He was trying to create a meat burger for the planet. And I guess um, that's because he's not trying to change the behaviour of the person or their taste buds. He's just trying to control or 
reduce climate change. And I guess when I look at, you know, we founded our business around the same time with the exact same vision, which is really interesting. Actually, we were called in a, um, in one of those write-ups, the impossible burgers, imp- impossible ham- handbags, impossible meat, something about, you know, they were comparing us to these hamburgers. That's cool. Quite funny. Yeah, it was, well, I'll think of the line that they used. It was quite funny. But I think ultimately it comes down to um, the responsibility. And I mean that in the responsibility of the designer of the con- and of the consumer. We we don't seem to have this connection between my action has a reaction. We don't we don't look at what we're purchasing and what that therefore eventuates to and what that causes. And I think that the biggest change that we could see as a society is our level of responsibility, taking responsibility for the things that we do. Um, you know, whether that's from a purchasing perspective as a designer or a buyer or as a consumer who's looking for a new handbag. I don't think, you know, we never, we're not anti-leather, we're pro-planet. So we're not, we, we totally understand the, the purpose of leather and why leather exists, but we think there's a better option out there. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's really, really impressive. I love it. Mm. Do you, uh, if you, I think one of the other things that people would probably take into account with this is and maybe not know so much about with terms of Pinatex because it's a new product um, and there's always um, I suppose there's always a little bit of standoffishness when it comes to new products especially ones that are so innovative Um, but in terms of longevity what how does it stack up against traditional leather yep well my favorite way to look at that is when you say, well, this is made of pineapple leaves and they say, but this is leather and it will last forever. Mm. And then I look back at the person and say, exactly, that will last forever. (laughs) And I think the weight of those words is probably the most important thing you can take away from that. Sometimes it's fantastic that something could last forever, but what about when it grows out of style? Or what about when you're you your family size changes and you need a bigger bag you know somewhere along the line that bag will always exist unless it can return to earth or be recycled unfortunately we can't recycle leather and when we do put it back into earth we are destroying the the soil and the land so not to mention the harvesting of the animal to get the leather in the first place Mm. so i think when when i look at you know how does it stack up against leather I've had, I've been running this business for over two years now and the bags that I started with are still very much intact and they can be upkept with boot polish and pawpaw cream, which, you know, it's because you're essentially feeding a plant, you're putting oils back into the plant. So it's really, it's really quite interesting. I've even got some here for you to show you yes. this what it looks like. You can see that it's got its own distinct texture. It's bouncing off the light here because it's got a sheen to it that's just covered in a resin to stop the water from being able to penetrate the fabric. It's really quite interesting. And I use bits of washable paper to elevate the product and give it a more luxurious feel. So I know that it's not leather, but it's also not pleather. And I think that's the most important part. I I was curious about the texture. Is that natural or do you have to create that texture or? Natural that's the that's the texture that if you can imagine tiny bit tons and tons of fibers of leaves pressed together well like mm. tree bark for example mm. um, but it's got a much softer feel to tree bark and it obviously it doesn't actually look like tree bark i'm just giving you an example for all the people out there listening um it doesn't actually look like tree bark <laughs> it's no. bright and shiny and, it, and it's um yeah 
I think I think the best thing is if people listening are interested, I, I jumped on your website and watched the video about Pinatex and I found it really fascinating when they were when they were um, splitting the fibers of the pineapple leaves. And as soon as I saw that, it was like a light bulb went off in my head and went, of course, I knew this from growing up as a kid and pulling the leaves apart and you know, how fibrous they were. But when it was going through the roller and you've got that it's a non-woven mesh and I, it kind of it all started to sink in and I thought, this is, this is just fascinating. It's incredible. My favorite one is when you explain to someone, obviously you're not using the pineapple fruit, you're using the pineapple plant, but when you bite into pineapple and you get those fibres in your teeth. Mm -hmm. That's what you should think of when you're thinking of the fibres. They're really fine. They're, they're not um, thick and heavy and there's not a lot of, you know, um, it's not like a jute. It's no. very much a, or a hessian. It's, um, they're, they're fine and they're, they're created into this really durable style fabric. I think like the most exciting part about it is that it can return to earth and, mm. um, and you know, it's not, it's not in a short period of time. It's in around 10 to 12 years, but 10 to 12 years is a, is an excellent amount of time for a handbag, you know? Yeah. I'd be surprised how many people kept a leather product for that long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're still, uh, you know, obsessed with the durability. Yeah. Mm. And well, that they say it's a natural product, which yeah. it was natural when it was part of the animal, but unfortunately by the time we carry it as consumers, it's just not any longer. No, not at all. Well, it's a, it's quite interesting actually because I mean we all know that fast fashion is something that is rampant in the world today. So the fact that people are thinking about having a product for more than twelve years just seems illogical in mm -hmm. the way fashion is moving. Anyway, mm -hmm. that's yeah. right. Yeah, fast fashion is a is a lot to answer for at the moment. Um, mm. And I think when you, it's, it's even more, I, I find it just as interesting when you do say to someone, well, this will last you 12 years. And they say, oh, like only 12 years. And you look at them and think, you've been carrying that bag for a hot minute. Like that's the brand new handbag you're carrying right now. I know it because it's just been released and it's walked down the runways of Milan. Like, don't tell me that you're not going to carry that for 12 years because I know next year when the same big brand releases a new style that you have to have, you'll buy that one too. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, there's so many different ways to look at it, but it's absolutely. Uh, I think yeah, very it's true. part of being able to present a product that um, people feel really proud to carry. Mm. Essentially, that's what a handbag is. It's a status symbol. Yeah. Well, Jamie's got one of your handbags, and I was shocked when we when she like. I mean, I, I've seen your handbags before, and I was really shocked when I first felt the handbag and looked at it. And she's had it for. Jeez, I think she's had it for close to two years. Yeah. And like it still looks brand new. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. It's funny, those little fibres, if they do start to um, release from the textile, you just use the boot polish after two years, boot polish and, and uh, pour, pour cream and they go straight back in. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. I, I was going to ask you a question about choosing the main point between traditional leather and Pinatex, but what what I'm getting the sense with now, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that, you're not really trying to compare yourself to leather. You're saying this is this is our product. We're not a leather alternative. It's yeah. it is what it is. Would I be correct in thinking that? Absolutely. I'm not. I guess I'm. I wouldn't even say alternative. In some ways, I want to say the word replacement. Yeah. If I wanted to see mass change, I would be able to say that this product will replace leather and it will replace PU. And essentially, we don't actually need to have these textiles that are or textiles or leather that are 
degrading the planet if we have this option it's like sometimes when you bite into something that someone says oh that's vegan and you go that can't be vegan it tastes too good and you think well if if i if i look at um if, if i can carry this bag and and it looks like leather or it looks like something that someone else would carry then why can't we all do that and i think that's the only way we're going to cause or create change so it's not yeah i guess it's not an alternative it's a replacement that's a good way to look at it yeah. Are you finding resistance in the fashion industry by chance? Um, in 2017, if you'd asked me that question, I would have said you, to you, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. Even getting a leather, a, a bag maker to work with this material was like pulling teeth out of a hen. It was so hard. No one was interested. They'd say, oh, it's not leather, you're crazy. Or, oh, it's, I'll work with PU and I'll work with leather, but I'm not working with pineapple leather, whatever that is. You know, they, they honestly, I, we ended up having to move up to Sydney to try and get a bag maker because we wanted to make here in Australia. Um, that lasted the first six months till we outgrew his studio. And unfortunately in Australia, we have no other bag makers left. So we've ended up finding and the most, one of the most incredible handbag makers who's very willing and able, but back in 2017, that was incredibly difficult to find someone to work with you. Fast forward to 2020 and people knock on my door constantly trying to get to work with us, which is a sign of the times, I think. Absolutely. Well, it's a good sign of the times. Um, I mean, you are quite the advocate for change within fashion and textiles. Um, what do you think is the most important environmental and social challenges that are facing fashion right now? I don't want to say it, but it's the G word. <clears throat> What's the G word? <laughs> greenwashing. Unfortunately, oh. greenwashing, I think, is the biggest challenge that our industry now faces because it's sort of like when you talk about fashion journos calling pleather vegan leather. They're playing into your conscience. So they're playing into a consumer's conscience who wants to make a better choice. And so when we're looking at challenges, we're looking at businesses who, even if they are wanting to do better for the planet, there's, there's an element of greenwashing I'm seeing on every level. Um, and I think that's what's a bit worrying. What is greenwashing, Tessa? Oh, the G word we wanted to find. Okay. Greenwashing is presenting a, presenting a product that um, you're saying is environmentally friendly um, and sustainable, which is also, also another big buzzword. And I, um, I want to preface that whilst I do claim my brand to be a sustainable brand, I think there is no bigger or greater oxymoron than sustainable fashion. How can you have sustainable fashion fashion is something that's chosen to come in and out in and out in and out and we're constantly replacing it so i think um on the one hand that's why i chose accessories because they can last a long time and we do really only need very few of them um and on the other hand you do have a greater control of the product of what you put inside of a handbag i think a lot of people don't ask themselves what's in their handbags um, you two might not be able to attest to this, but I've carried a handbag since I was 14 and I never asked myself what was inside of it. Um, why did it stand up like this? What's the structural? Why did the, what's inside these handles? Um, it's very interesting when you cut a bag, cut apart a handbag, because usually there's layers of plastic or big sheets of rigid plastic inside of it. So, or cardboard or heavy duty, um, plastic rope to keep the handle, to give it its structure. So I think, um, that would be my biggest 
concern for the industry at the moment is this level of greenwashing and not having anyone being held accountable for it. Mm. Um, but I think the biggest challenge that we really have is, again, back to that responsibility factor, training designers to think responsibly, training designers to understand when they order 60,000 pairs of denim, what that does to the land and, and whether or not they can make a better choice in organic denim or if they can choose, you know, to not use veg materials and, and understand where the raw, raw material really comes from before they start to develop the product in the first place. And not just from a design perspective, but from a consumption perspective, for someone to say, well, the most sustainable T-shirt I own is the one that's already in my wardrobe. Do I need this next T-shirt? Mm. So I think there's a level of um, responsibility, I think, is, is the key there. Where do you think that should come from first? Should it be the consumers that are taking responsibility for their purchasing? Or do you think the onus lies on designers to change the way they are operating? Well, I guess it's like saying that to a farmer, isn't it? You know, a fashion designer really is a farmer because they're the ones who place the purchasing order and therefore deem the product or the plant to go in the ground or the animal to be harvested or you know there's there's many i think ultimately if we concentrated on the small vast the very small concentrated group of designers we might see a quick change mm -hmm. and if the only product out there was an environmentally friendly product then consumers wouldn't have a choice um obviously convenience goes a long way in this conversation and when we look at convenience it's not usually the environmental choice that we make so again we need to start seeing that um that pendulum swing back towards um, an environmental choice. So cheaper renewable energies, cheaper, um, greener options, you know, waste recycling options that are cheaper than just discarding into landfill. Mm. There's many different ways that we can look at it from a supply chain, um, and how we can make those changes. But yeah, that, that would be, that would be my response to that. <laughs> yeah. It feels to me, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like, you know, to use your analogy of the pendulum, it feels like it's it's starting to swing. You know, we're starting to get this global movement about the environment and, you know, how we live and how sustainable we are. And it, it feels like that shift is just starting to happen. I hope it kind of gains more momentum. Yeah, it's very interesting. I did some training last year under um, previous Vice President Al Gore in his Climate Reality Project um, conference, and he proudly proclaims that he's a green capitalist and I heard him say that and thought how could someone just tell me that they're proudly a capitalist and then I realized that he was talking about being able to um, afford green energy and as soon as and, and realizing that big business is only going to respond to a greener choice once the dollar drops in its favor so mm. we need we need to see that purchasing power being able to bring down the cost of green energy and we are seeing it we're seeing it in in coal at the moment we've got india saying they're not going to buy another ounce of coal from australia yet australia is investing in coal so you know we're, we're <laughs> Scomo. On that. I don't think it's scomo. We don't have time to get me onto that. So we'll keep it lighthearted. But yeah, I think we are seeing that pendulum very much swing and it's going to happen across from fossil fuels all the way through to fashion. Yeah, it, it, it might be a bigger shift for Australia because I know we're very reliant on our fossil fuels. So, you know, it's very entrenched in the culture and that's going to have to slowly change. And it's a big part of our GDP. So yeah, totally another conversation, but I agree. We, we should be moving away as quickly as possible. 
Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's quite, quite, I think the most interesting thing that I've learned in the last 12 months is that it's not a, it's not a question of whether or not it's, in, um, it's economically beneficial to move away from fossil fuels, but it's a question of the transition and how we as a society can transition from being fossil fuel reliant and our job security and into a greener, um, greener economy and greener future. Absolutely. Yep, definitely. Well, that was a fascinating conversation. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear. <laughs> Actually, I, I just thought of one more thing. Um, yeah. Have you explored any other options other than pineapple? Are you really just focused on this or by the look on your face, are you not allowed to tell us? <laughs> <laughs> when are we releasing this podcast? <laughs> Next week. Oh, scoop. <laughs> scoop. I am working on something else and I'm very excited to talk to you about it, but I might hold off. No problem. Because what I'm working on next is also going to blow your mind and I think it will take another couple of hours to get through it. Oh, amazing. It's, well, I think the key takeaway is people need to either jump on your Instagram and, and wait for that announcement. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's going yeah. to blow both your minds as well. Let's say there's a, a few pieces in this collection with new textiles that will be right up your alley. Exciting. Ah, oh, oh, well, there's a little hint right there. Mm, yeah, I like that. <laughs> Very good. Well, before we, we end this, I, I think we should let everyone know that this is not the only thing that, that Tessa works on. So she's just started another company just recently called The Common Good Company. Uh, which deals with a very sustainable uh, model of uh, your essentials. So think blank T-shirts. A lot of people use AS Color when they think of like printing uh, T-shirts, but I think that your product that you are developing or that have actually taken the market now uh, is much better than what is available um, through anywhere else. I'm not having to go at anyone, but I just think if you've got the option to go with something that's not greenwashed, but like legitimately, yeah, pre-consumer cotton, which that's a whole nother story, you know, recycled water bottles. It's just, uh, it's quite amazing. So it's definitely something for people to check out as well. So yes, it's a recycled cotton, recycled polyester basics range. Mm -hmm. um, and we are producing in a carbon neutral factory. And we are incredibly excited. We, we were due to launch it at the start of the year, but, you know, we just had this bushfire season happening and we didn't want to drown anyone else with information. And then COVID hit, so we couldn't hit launch then. So we've only recently launched about six weeks ago now. And um about to land our first collection of um, face masks, which you wouldn't believe it, are actually in high demand. And um, <laughs> I, I noticed that on the website today. <laughs> it's mind blowing. I, you know, I joke about um, wanting to be able to make a splash in fashion my whole career. And this last mm. week, I've been in Vogue again and, and Rush magazine, but for face masks. So, love it. Sign of the times. If I had known that was the key, I wouldn't have bothered making handbags out of pineapple leaves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could start making some um, face masks out of pineapple leaves. I don't know how breathable it's going to be. It is breathable. It is breathable, but, you know, maybe. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, well, thanks so much for tonight, guys. Like, it's been unreal to talk to you. And love yeah, it. we appreciate you giving us your time.
just fascinating talking to Tessa about that. I, I am still just blown away by it all. But at the yeah. same time, you know, having grown up around pineapples, I, I said it when we, when we spoke to Tessa, but I, I do remember that kind of fibrousy mm-hmm. nature of the leaves and it yeah. kind of started to connect in my mind and yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I love the fact that it's such a, like a circle economy. Yeah. That it, that's, it's not, nothing's wasted. It's mm-hmm. used. And instead of it being a waste product where they burn it, burn it. Yeah. Or, you know, you just, just get rid of it. It's actually fueling their systems. It's actually creating other industries. It's, I mean, it's really fascinating. I, I loved it. Yeah. So, um, I, I think to clarify, cause, uh, I, I didn't to be, you know, I'm going to, be completely transparent although i have eaten lots of pineapples and you know been around pineapple farms i never really gave too much thought about the plant itself yes and the leaves that they're using are not the the top of the pineapple no it's it's the like the bush that grows out of the ground or the leaves that grow out of the ground that's what's left after the pineapple's been harvested yeah you know that's got to be something's got to happen to it and um i and i mentioned it at the start where we were talking about biofuel because, you know, Tessa said that these farmers have gone from growing pineapple and then having to burn everything to, so that they can start again to growing the pineapple, harvesting the leaves to turn them into Pinatex. And then whatever's left, they actually turn into biofuel and can power their tractors. I mean, it's not just circular. It's freaking amazing. Like they're just getting so much out of it. Yeah. It is quite amazing. Yeah. I, I love it. I, I think it's just, I mean, the more that we discover when it comes to these types of materials, it just seems as though it benefits everyone. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, so I, I'm a big fan. Yeah. But and she did hint at uh, some cool stuff coming up. Mm, yeah. If you, watch this. If you're not, go jump yeah. on her follow her on instagram it's a himza collective right yep that is correct follow yeah. her on insta and i yeah. think she said next month they're gonna announce a new product um, i believe so yeah keep oh, watching cool. for that and we'll put links to all of the website the the bag everything uh in the notes of the podcast so you can just click straight through cool let's get into some cooking yes yeah now i thought we'd just start this off now <laughs> okay so Growing up in Queensland, we've already spoken about this. We had pineapple all the time. Um, but I don't think it was until after I, you know, left home, started cooking for myself, particularly after getting married down here in Victoria, that I actually started being more creative with pineapple in cooking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if it's the same for you, but. Um, okay. I don't think I've ever gotten creative cooking okay. with pineapple, but. <laughs> I mean, for me, it was either eat it fresh, you know, yeah. get a pineapple, cut it up and eat it. Or yeah. I found myself eating it a lot out of tins as well, just yeah. crushed pineapple or pineapple chunks or whatever and drinking yeah. the juice out of the tin. Yeah. Or like at the fish and chop, chip shop, getting a like a grilled pineapple or... A, oh, yeah, yeah. Battered pineapple. Battered pineapple. Oh, yeah. my God, man. I remember those. Yeah, that's... For <laughs> I me, feel like that's a Queensland thing. <laughs> yeah. Or or pineapple on a pizza. That For me, that's like... Yeah. That's, that's, that is the range. That's, that's pineapple. pineapple. Okay. Yep. Well, I'm about to blow your mind then. I love it. Yeah. Yep. 
so I wanted to start, well, I wanted to start by saying what's your favorite pineapple recipes, but obviously you've got none. Uh, no. no, that's okay. <laughs> raw. <laughs> My favorite recipe is raw. Yeah, that's okay. That's a good thing to be. Well, one of my fondest memories when it comes to pineapple is from a trip that we took to Vietnam. Now, ah. we were over there for a little while, a couple of years ago. I think it's like four years ago. Oh, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, maybe 20, years ago. 2016, yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. And we stayed in Ho Chi Minh City for the majority of our time over there. And I actually love that we stayed in the one city for like, I think we did seven days straight in Ho Chi Minh City and it allowed us to really kind of, well, not completely immerse ourselves, but it gave, gave us more time to discover the city. Yeah, you start to kind of feel relaxed and you, yeah. Mm, yeah, absolutely. You leave all your bags at home and you walk the streets. Yeah. So, you know, and it gave us an opportunity to really discover some hidden gems. And there was a little restaurant down an alleyway that we just came across. uh, And, you know, we're flicking through the menu and they had a pineapple fried rice. Now, have you had pineapple fried rice? Can't. I don't think so. Okay. So... I hadn't either at that stage, but I was like, oh, I like pineapple. I love fried rice. Let's just see what happens. And out it comes and it's a hollowed out pineapple that's filled with fried rice and pineapple chunks all the way through it. And it was one of the best dishes I've ever eaten in my life. And I have amazing memories of that, so much so that when we got back from Vietnam, we cook pineapple fried rice like so many times. <laughs> like like any good recipe, you do it so much that you never want to cook it again. <laughs> Correct. Well, it's a, it's a standout dish. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of my favorite recipes when it comes to pineapple, apart from eating it raw. The other one that I really love is, so this is a pineapple um, kind of chutney. Uh, and this is by Ooh, yeah chutneys yep yes yes uh by the plantrationist which is talitha case which yep. uh you know talitha mm-hmm. uh so she makes this amazing pineapple chutney that goes on top of these burgers that she makes and it's a really simple kind of vinaigrette with pineapple and it cooks down real nicely and then you scoop it on top of your burger and i just had it the other night actually and it was phenomenal yeah i i love a good chutney yep yeah really really amazing so i thought uh i'd talk to talk about how you should cook with pineapple Mm -hmm. all right so they're just some of my favorite ones but pineapple's really versatile you can use it in desserts you can use it in salads you can use it in savory dishes it's used in a whole bunch of drinks uh, if you start thinking about drinks, the uh, pina colada is pineapple based. Yep. Uh, it pairs incredibly well with rum. Yeah. Another very um, tropical drink. Tropical, yeah. Yeah. Um, Honestly, yeah. Absolutely. And you can use the juice in recipes. You can use the actual pineapple in recipes. Um, 
cutting a pineapple can be a little bit tricky for some people, but basically the sweetest part of the pineapple is on the outside edges. Mm. So what you want to try and do is shave it as close as you can to the edge. And then it actually runs in that Fibonacci sequence that we, that we spoke about so that you can score and sort of run a diagonal line when you Mm. cut to cut those little, um, you know, the, the bud parts of the, yeah. That you can still see it's the little black parts that are still on the pineapple. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because you, you, I was reading about it as well, and mm. yeah, you you cut it and it leaves those the black little you know yes. pits in it yes. that you yeah and and they they actually run diagonally around them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah, so it's cool. <laughs> and if you want to watch something really cool, just jump on YouTube and and type in like cutting pineapples. And you'll see heaps of videos with people cutting pineapples the proper way, which is in that spiral kind of mm. shape. And it, yeah, I watched one on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. Anyway, yeah. uh, let's talk about preparing drinks. So mm. pineapple works really well with banana. It works really well with basil. Uh, really? Yeah. Mm. Uh, you should try that, man. It's yeah. uh, really good with caramel flavors. So yeah, okay. we already know that, you know, when you see a pineapple, it becomes charred and it gives that kind of. Yeah. I've definitely fried um, sliced pineapple on the, on the barbecue hot plate or grilled yeah. or fried. Yeah. 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 Uh, so those caramel flavors, chili goes really well with pineapple. I don't know if you've ever had chili chutneys with pineapple. Uh, probably. I mean, I've had a lot of chutneys. And when you said chutney, I was like, yeah, I've probably had a lot of chutneys with pineapple in it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, it goes really well with cinnamon, coconut, ginger, lime, macadamia, which is why the macadamia is right next to the big pineapple. Uh, goes really well with mango and orange. Uh, surprisingly, black pepper and pineapple go really well together. And there's actually a recipe that I'm going to talk about a little bit later where it's I'll get to that. Yeah. Um, it goes really well with rosemary and strawberry and tamarind and other tropical fruits, you know, in terms of cocktails, when you're making cocktails, you know, it works really good with brandy, orange liqueurs, rum, obviously. Um, so it's really about those deep flavors, tropical, uh, which go really well. In terms of pairings with food, as I said before, caramelized flavors work really well with it. Um, so, but then in, in terms of like other things, there's like, well, obviously smoothies, smoothie bowls, anything tropical. Have you ever had pineapple in a cake? I don't think so. No. Well, a very popular cake is a pineapple upside down cake. Yeah, maybe I have. Or a fruit flan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can make it into pineapple ice cream. Mm, yes. So I don't know if everybody out there knows what uh, ice cream is, but basically you can make ice cream from frozen bananas. Yeah. All you need the, are yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Uh, you just need frozen bananas and you blend them, and mm. it gives you ice cream. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, you can do that with pineapple. Yeah, I'm sure you could do it with just about any frozen fruit. Yeah, amazing, right? Yeah. You can make macaroons from them. There's a pineapple like filling in the middle yeah. for your macaroons. Uh, why don't we talk about tacos? Why don't we? 
Yeah. So grilled tempeh with char grilled pineapple, fresh cut jalapenos. You know, it works really good as chutney and relish. Oh man, that would be amazing. (laughs) We're going to have to char grill some pineapple next time we do tacos. Yeah. Like it's, I think it's something you don't really think about, but then when someone tells you, you're like, oh yeah, why the hell don't I do that? But it's the same as when you're talking about the flavor pairings, when you're talking about cinnamon and, and that sort of thing. And it yeah. makes sense with the rums. Yes. Because of the spices and the, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Well, I, I read this recipe where they do a whole roasted uh, pineapple with black pepper and rum and chili. It actually sounds amazing. I know, right? Can you imagine like cooking down a, pi- a whole pineapple with rum and, and black pepper over the top of it? And chili just naturally goes with, with pineapple. It's yep. one of my favorite pairings. It's actually phenomenal. But um, so many things. Yeah. Oh, no, like a totally unrelated topic. I had chili peanut butter in New Zealand. Oh, wow. And that was amazing. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine doing like, have you had rice crackers? You've had rice crackers. Yeah. (laughs) Have you had, do you know these things called rice crackers, man? (laughs) No. What are they? They're like these round discs made of rice. (laughs) Anyway, I just figure it's just the gluten-free people that know about rice crackers Mm. because why wouldn't you just have bread? No. Anyway. (laughs) We we have a steady stream of rice crackers in our cupboard. Amazing. So I'm thinking rice cracker, peanut butter, chili peanut butter, and then a circle of pineapple. Oof. Like a little, yeah. It would fit. It would fit it perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's exactly the same size as a rice cracker. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to try that. Yeah. You should. Send me a photo. Yeah, I will. Mm. Nobody else can see it. (laughs) (laughs) that's <laughs> <laughs> nah. just for me and tim that's anyway yeah. now we'll put it up on the instagram story so check it out uh well anyway that is pretty much cooking with pineapples that is cool that is cool and a lot of the stuff you say as you say it, it makes sense although yes. i just have never done it yeah i know right mm. it just uh, it gives you uh something to work with you know to test yeah. out I'm really interested in the the whole roasted pineapple. Yeah. Because the whole idea of the rum and the chili and the, it just sounds amazing. Yeah, I know. I want to do that mm. uh, immediately. Mm. But I'm going to put a link. So I'm going to do like 10. And this is something new that we're going to do each week is I'm going to write an article that has 10 different recipes that you can use whatever vegetable or fruit we're, we're working with that week. Nice. So that, people have options. They can run through the list. They can choose one of the dishes that, uh, mm. you know, that's on the list and they can give it a crack. That's cool. Well, we, you know, we did capsicum last week and I yes. did the, the capsicum pasta that I spoke about. Yes. And that was amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. It was so good. When I, when I was making it, I, you know, I was telling you in messages, but um, you know, our son is, you know, slowly being introduced to solids and we'd plan to give him some of what I was making. Yeah. So I was, I was making it all without salt. Yep. And it was really hard to kind of 
taste it and know what it was going to taste like. So I'd taste it and go, Ooh, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure. And I'd taste it and I'm like, uh, is, are they sure this is good? And, you know, kind of kept going, kept going. And then eventually I served up his, his little portion. And then I just, I just seasoned the crap out of it. And the flavor just, oh, it was so good. Anyway, It's amazing how salt and pepper can bring a dish to life. Oh, it just, it just, it, yeah, it exploded. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, amazing. Awesome. Well, yeah. shall we talk about uh, how to grow a pineapple? Let's do it. I want to go into a little bit of detail because I found it really interesting. You know, it, pineapple is a, a tropical fruit. You know, mm-hmm. we've, we've talked about it. it you know, native to South America and grown in Hawaii and, you know, all that really tropical region. And when you think about pineapples, you think about the heat and summer and, you know, Absolutely. the fresh juice and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I actually read, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to just uh, like you go. derail yeah. you, but I actually read in a, a really uh, like an article about when they used to grow pineapples like a long time ago that it would be between like from the equator plus 30 degrees, plus 30 degrees in each way. And that's just in that band that they yeah, would okay. grow pineapples. Well, it's like, um, you know, I, I work uh, in the, the rubber industry and mm. the rubber plants are similar. They only grow plus or minus, I think it's 17 degrees of the equator. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. crazy, huh? Yeah, it is crazy. Um, yeah, okay. So pineapple is a, a tropical plant. But um, it's one of a few tropical plants that um, not only can it grow in most places in the world with some caveats that I'm going to go into, but it is actually really well suited to growing in pots. So it is really, you are very capable of growing one in a pot doesn't have to be in the ground in a garden or in a farm or whatever you can and you can do it indoors right are you saying i don't have to own a farm correct wow i know but you know some people may not have the space to plant a you know a, a veggie patch yeah true so the main the main caveat here and i brought it up earlier where we were talking about growing in the heat and the humidity and that sort of thing the 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 thing that a pineapple plant needs is at least six hours of light in a day. Okay. And that's what, how it grows, right? So whether it gets, if you keep it inside and it gets light through the window or whatever. So that, that means you kind of need to live somewhere that has a high level of sunshine. Yeah. Normally the closer you get to the equator, the longer, you know, you're going to have more sun and less seasonal change. So you get a really consistent kind of, set hours of day uh of daylight yeah so you know i'm thinking melbourne probably not suited considering we can go a week without seeing the sun sometimes (laughs) (laughs) um correct yeah but there are there are regions you know like uh i lived up in wangaratta for a while and their winters the days are sunny and beautiful and like the sun's out all the time so i don't think it precludes Victoria. I mean, Melbourne no. region, but I reckon there's places you could grow it in the cold. Uh, yeah. No doubt. Yeah. So I found that particularly interesting. It turns out that pineapples are actually super hardy. So I'm, I'm going to go through um, 
some things that they like and some things that they don't like. And then I'm going to go through the growing process. Mm. Um, so you actually don't need much order, if any. Um, what? Yeah, that's right. I know it's, it's crazy, right? So they have these really tough leaves and because the leaves are so tough, they actually don't evaporate water back out into the atmosphere. So they, any water they do get kind of stays inside them. So they're, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Super, super hardy. They can, they can survive on really minimal water. Wow. Um, and, and this goes into the next point where they actually need really freely draining soil. Um, but even that, the, the soil doesn't necessarily need to be of any super high quality or anything. Um, and they don't have a very big root system. So it's, it's, um, it's part of the bromelades where they, they really don't, they don't grow big root structures. So when mm. you're, when you're planting it in the ground, you don't need to worry about this root system. You know, it, it's really self-contained. Most of it is the bush that grows out of the ground. That's what takes up the most space. Yeah. Wow. Um, they actually use the leaves uh, to, as part of their kind of nutrition and water system. And um like I said, they'll grow in full sun. They'll grow in the hottest climates. Uh, they will grow in shade, but, uh, and I talk later about different climates. So you could, a pineapple would grow, you know, near desert climate, but it would do better if it had some shade. And yeah, whereas, okay. you know, in our kind of climate, it probably wants more sun than anything else. So yeah. it does kind of depend on the climate. And as I mentioned earlier, it'll grow in pots, tubs, whatever you want to plant it in. Mm. And the YouTube video, I was watching this guy had a greenhouse and he just had all like all different shapes of pots and things and tubs. <laughs> and I think I saw a sink, <laughs> like it was growing, was growing in the sink. He just had plants, pineapple plants growing everywhere, nice. right? You could actually grow it out of your kitchen sink. Correct. Yep. Amazing. Uh, yep. So on the back of that, what they don't like is soggy or waterlogged soil, hmm. uh, having their leaves burned with concentrated fertilizer. You really don't need to do a lot of fertilizing with uh, pineapples, but I mean, obviously they've got to get nutrients from somewhere. So you, hmm. you want to have something. And the other thing pineapples really don't like is frost. So I was reading somewhere about, you know, if you if you do grow it somewhere that's frost, you just bring it inside and yeah, try and get it as much sun as possible. Yeah. yeah, okay. So let's talk about actually growing. So unlike the carrot, you can grow another pineapple plant from the top, from the head off the pineapple. So you pull it off, nice. you can regrow it, you can grow another pineapple, no problem. So shop bought shop bought pineapple, take it off, grow another one, um, and we'll we'll go into a little bit more detail later. But um, the other way you can grow it is if you know someone who already grows pineapples, um, mm -hmm. what, you, what you can do, and this is, it's not like the holy grail, but this makes your life a hell of a lot easier. You can get your hands on what they call suckers or slips. So when they're basically these little plants that grow off the pineapple, you're looking at me as if you know. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just found that funny. The names? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Go on. Um, suckers or slips. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, basically the suckers. I feel like you're trying to hustle me. <laughs> no, I'm not. Suckers <laughs> or slips. And you know, the suckers are the ones you take for all their money and the <laughs> slips are the ones that get away. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay. Uh, no. So when I read this, this is when I started YouTubing because I was like, oh, okay. what the f is this? <laughs> yeah okay so the second we can believe everything we watch on youtube oh it's 100 percent true yeah <laughs> okay go. everything 
hands down blanket statement (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay that that was crazy um so you've got a pineapple plant that's grown and uh it's finished you've harvested your pineapple Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of people trim it back to it's like a little stumpy bit in the bottom of the ground right what happens is is another little shoot comes out the side of the the, the stem or whatever's left the, it's kind of like a stump this yep. other little shoot comes out the side and that'll keep growing what you can do is when it's you know um about 10 centimeters long or a bit longer you can actually twist it off it's like um you know like a, a succulents or cactus or whatever it kind of you just pick it off and plant it in the soil yeah so that's a sucker and you can just replant that straight into another plant and that'll grow a whole pineapple wow yeah but uh, and I'll talk about the slips as well. And I'm going to bring it up later, but I'll, I'll say it now is if you grow it from the pineapple top, yeah. it can take about 24 months to get uh, another pineapple. So you got about two years. <laughs> That's a long time. Yeah. If you grow it from the sucker, you can bring that down to 12 to 18 months. Okay. So you, you get, you, it grows faster. If you get that, that little sucker off the, off the mature plant, <laughs> that little <laughs> sucker. Oh, I got it. <laughs> or when, and I don't know how close you've ever looked at a, a, a growing pineapple. So when mm-hmm. the pineapple's still on the plant, mm-hmm. sometimes at the base of the pineapple, when it's growing, a little growth will come out the side. Okay. And that's called the slip. And you can take the slip off and plant that and you'll get another plant as well. And again, it'll grow faster and you'll have uh, fruit quicker. So this one bloke I was watching on YouTube would, um, he would grow a plant and you can have more than, particularly with the, the little suckers that grow out the bottom, you can have more than one that comes out. So he, the one he showed, he had three, three of these little shoots coming out the bottom. So. Three little suckers. Yeah, go on. <laughs> and he took one little sucker. <laughs> oh, mate, you're a child. <laughs> I am a child. Go on. <laughs> um, what I'm getting to is they're very prolific. Like you can. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> they're pro- prolific little suckers. <laughs> These little suckers are really prolific. <laughs> oh, okay. God. Okay, once, go on. you, once you've grown one pineapple to. Uh, maturity then it's easier to grow another sucker (laughs) but even you can grow more like you all of a sudden you could grow three or four and then you could the next time around you might you know it's like exponential it's like coronavirus it just blows out (laughs) yeah and those suckers are everywhere (laughs) then you've got bloody little suckers all over the place and then you find yourself standing there going what happened to the last 10 years (laughs) i've just slipped away (laughs) <laughs> oh my god yeah uh, yep. okay so if you want to grow it from the top of a pineapple mm. uh, <laughs> well you said it's 24 <laughs> months yeah so you actually no one no Who but the grow people, from that not me people may not be able to get their hands on a little sucker wow <laughs> yeah spy <laughs> from the store I feel like anything that goes over six months is beyond my wheelhouse. I'm yeah, like, that's nah, right. no, but see, once you've once you've put in the effort for that first one, then the rest of them are easier. But that. you still yeah. said it's twelve to eighteen months. Yeah, it takes a long time to grow up pineapple. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Um we wouldn't be able to grow them in Melbourne anyway, but uh mm. um if you are gonna grow it from the top, because not everyone that listens to us is lives in Melbourne. Yep. Uh 
you twist the top off the pineapple and some some places say let it dry for a few days some places say don't worry just plant it whatever so i don't know try both they're probably both going to work but what you do is you kind of remove a lot of the smaller um pineapple leaves off the base of it and mm -hmm, it just mm -hmm. expose more of the stem and uh and then what you want to really do is uh make sure that it's really clean because uh one site that i read said that if 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 you're going to use a top from a supermarket you probably already have a little bit of rot in the top so okay. you need to make sure it's fully cut out and clean you don't want any of that rot to exist when you plant it so you can make okay. sure it's really nice and clean and yeah and if you can't get the rot out just you don't use it use another one okay um and basically just put it in some dirt and away you go give it a bit of water and and it'll um It'll take off. Yep. Nice. Um, so really easy. And like I said, you don't you you don't need to worry about space and the root systems are not big. You can actually start them growing in a really small pot and then as they get bigger, move them somewhere else. And yeah. So really easy. Like I said, it's you know, it makes me think of you know, when you're doing succulents and that sort of thing, and you just cut a bit off and put it in a bit of dirt and away you go. And mm. yeah. Yeah. So really easy. Um, talking about water. I wrote my wrote my notes. Water? Nah, don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, no, but but seriously though, they 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 really don't need much water. And again, it's climate driven. You know, if it was in the middle of the desert somewhere, you they probably need a drink. In Melbourne, probably there's probably enough moisture in the soil. Yeah. Um, so they they are very very hardy plants. Yeah. Wow. And, and to that respect, the uh, when they're growing, the color of the leaves can actually kind of help um, as a, an alert system to how the plant is coping and the health of the plant. If it's really healthy, those leaves are green. They do, you know, they'll change, they'll get like a reddish purple tinge if it's starving. So if it needs some food or that sort of thing. So the plant will actually tell you what it needs. And yeah. So, so smart. Yeah. Really, really simple. Uh, yeah. So, I, you know, I said, um, the tops about 24 months the fruit uh and here i've written in the notes that uh could take even longer in colder climates one of the youtube videos i watched said up to three years from the tops so you really want to get your hands on the uh those little suckers um, <laughs> it's never gonna get old for me <laughs> don't let them slip away yeah. <laughs> uh yeah so you, you can um 18 months, uh, I did read here uh, that the slips could fruit within a year. So you could you wow. could get something in under a year, but again, that's very climate driven. Yep. And uh, like I said, once you've got your first pineapple, you kind of, you can really start to expand how many more you yeah. can, ha and they start growing quicker. So you, you can expand and grow them quicker. And um, yeah, so. Jeez, it's a big lead up to get into the pineapple game, isn't it? It is, yeah. Unless you know a friend who's got a lot of suckers. Yeah. yeah. Well, even then, like you've got to plant them and like it yeah. takes so long for it to get there. You almost have to have like a full cycle going to get pineapples all year round because like yeah. you just, uh, it's, that's crazy. Yeah, you want to be rotating your crops through so you've got a constant revenue stream, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But, I mean, that's basically how to grow a pineapple. That's amazing, man. I love yeah. that. Which I, I, I had no idea really. I'd never really um, considered mm. the growing stage of pineapple. Yeah. So uh, it was interesting. Oh, uh, do you want to know a really, I got taught a way to find out if your pineapple is ripe or not. 
Cool. Yep. Uh, so I think you can utilize this if you're growing it and you want to test it out. The little crown that comes off the top of the pineapple, if you can grab one of those little leaves and pull it and it if comes it just out. pulls out. Yeah. yeah. Then it's ready to go. There you go. Yeah. And that's a good way to do it at the supermarkets as well. Because mm. some pineapples are a little younger mm. and some of them, you know, a little bit more ripe. It yeah. really depends on when they were cut and when they were, you know, taken off the, the plant. So a good way to tell is if you grab the top of the head of the pineapple and give the little crown a little pull on the leaves. And if one of them comes out nice and easy, you're ready to go. Mm. Just pull one of those little suckers. Yeah. <laughs> that was fantastic <laughs> oh my gosh that was really good yeah. uh well man another good episode yeah it was fun god damn that was awesome uh i want to cook with some pineapple now yeah i do too mm. yeah i don't actually, want to grow one <laughs> i actually can't remember the last time i actively ate pineapple yeah, well, uh, I had some just the other day because we had that chutney on burgers, cool. which was amazing. But I'm definitely going to whole roast it because mm-hmm. I'm really interested in what that's going to be like. I've got a bottle of rum in the cupboard just waiting for this. Sailor Jerry wants to get Oof. involved. Uh, yeah, Spiced rum. Here yeah, we go. I reckon that'd be fantastic with it. Yeah, it would reckon? be pretty good. Mm. And just that... Just, the fact of it cooking and like, you know, there's a lot of sugars in rum as well. That'll just be caramelizing when you, man, damn. You have to send me the recipe. Yeah. I will. Well, I'm going to put it up uh, on messy veggies. So if anyone's looking for it, you can head there and there'll be 10 recipes uh, to cook with uh, pineapple. They're all easy ones. I don't do hard recipes. That's Maybe not, we should uh, change it from 10 recipes to cook with to 10 ways to use pineapple because you don't always have to cook it, right? Well, no, we're going to, no. No? No. No, <laughs> no it's just cooking this one. Just- I do another article that's everything you need to know about pineapple and it talks about how you can use it. So all right. there's multiple things happening, mate. Cool. It's all good. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I'm not telling you how to do your job. <laughs> uh, appreciate that. Uh, but uh, look, if you haven't jumped over to the Instagram account, you should do that. If you haven't jumped onto the Facebook, there's another place to to follow us. We would really appreciate it that everyone's listening. If you could go and give us a rating on on Apple Podcasts. iTunes, yeah, right, right the hell out of it. Yeah. I mean, firstly, we love feedback and you can give us feedback there. And plus, I mean, the more ratings we get, I think the more people can find us, which is, you know, it's just beneficial for us. Mm. I was going to say everyone involved, but not so much for the people listening. Although it gives us more things to do. Like as soon as we say, you know, it gives us, Reason to keep trudging on each week, uh, mm-hmm. discovering mm-hmm. more vegetables. Uh, but you know, a really good episode, really good interview this week, uh, with Tessa. So, yeah. uh, make sure you jump over to, to her socials as well and find all the details about Ahimsa Collective and the Common Good Company, which is another one that she's yep. working on. There's a really cool video on the the website Ahimsa Collective that shows what they do with the pineapple leaves if you're interested. Yes. Yep. yes. A very moving video. 
It is. Yeah. yeah, I really like that. Great soundtrack to it, Waves, which is really cool. But anyway, uh, well, thank you everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. We've had another great time. And I guess until next week, you should do yourself a favor and go eat some more plants. <laughs> Thank you.